0: Father, the capacity to feel the weight of glory is a gift. And so we pause to ask for it. The capacity to feel high-level expectation and joy in spiritual things is a gift. A creation of a new heart. A sanctifying, purifying influence of the Holy Spirit wrought through the Word of God. And so we pray for it. I ask for it. Downtown, I ask for it here. Lord, there are hundreds in these two places that should measure their affections for Jesus and their expectations of being with him with the level of anticipation they look forward to the second installment of the Lord of the Rings. I pray that we would take that measure and then repent and plead that the music of our eagerness would be transposed into the key of Christ. That we might say with the Apostle Paul, for me to live is Christ and to die on Tuesday is gain. Oh, God, may your word have a sanctifying, deepening, purifying, emboldening, humbling, healing, reconciling, marriage-preserving effect today. Downtown and in Roseville and wherever the gospel is preached. In Jesus' Precious name I pray. Amen. Our purpose is limited and huge today. Limited to verses 11 and 12 and huge because you can't pack more into two verses than are packed here. Let's read them. Though the twins were not yet born... And had done nothing, good or bad, so that God's purpose according to his choice would stand, not because of works, but because of him who calls. It was said to her, the older will serve the younger. So my aim this morning is to understand and then apply the answer to the question, why unconditional election?" Why, before they were born, before they had done anything good or evil, say to one, you'll serve the other. And thus teach that the explanation for the Word of God standing in verse 6, when many Jews are perishing, is that God elects some and not others. Unconditionally. Why? And the answer is... In verse 11, so that, it's a purpose answer, so that God's purpose, according to his choice, would stand. Not because of works, but because of him who calls. That's why. And my aim is to understand that. Now, before I take it apart... I exhort you all, downtown and here, feel the weight of this verse 11. When God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, the sustainer of all things, who flung out by His fingertips, as it were, the galaxies, when this God undertakes to tell us, to reveal to us, why He does His most fundamental and significant acts. Nothing is more weighty. That information... Coming from God to us through verse 11, that information about why He does what He does from eternity to eternity is more important and more significant and more life influencing than all human knowledge put together. And I pause to say, feel it, because I know how many people don't feel when they read the Bible. I plead with you, right now, whisper in your head, God, help me to sense spiritually. I'm not asking for sweaty palms or trembling hands or fluttering eyelashes. I am asking for the weight of this to land on me. Spiritually, to discern the awesome weight of a God, Creator, Redeemer, who deigns to tell me why He chooses whom He chooses and passes over others. Why? Here's the outline. Three steps. First, we will look at the phrase, God's purpose according to election. We'll talk about that. Second, We'll look at the phrase, not because of works, and we'll talk about that. And third, we'll look at the phrase, but because of him who calls, and we'll talk about that. Number one, the phrase, we're in verse 11, God's purpose, according to him or according to his choice, So let's just work with that phrase just a minute and then look at some parallels. Literally, it goes like this. God's purpose, according to election, or even more literally and woodenly, the, according to election, purpose of God. The, according to election, purpose of God now i stretch out that wooden awkward interpretation to point out a parallel of that same construction over in romans 11:21 where it says the according to nature branches I'm talking about this olive tree the according to nature branches all the english versions render that the natural branches that's right The according to nature branches is the natural branches. So that little according to sandwiched between the the and the noun is adjectival. It modifies. Now do that in 9-11. The according to election purpose. We don't have an adjective for election. So let's create one, sort of. The electing purpose would be a good translation. The electing purpose. So the first thing we see just by analyzing the words is this purpose that he's talking about here, which stands because of unconditional election. This purpose is an electing purpose. It's a purpose that consists very much in electing unconditionally. Now let's look at some parallels. Our goal is to try to define the purpose. What's the purpose? What's the purpose in verse 11? There are three parallels. The word purpose in English is real common. However, this word that it translates is not real common, so it's easy to find very close and limited parallels that shed a lot of light on this. And so let's look at three of them. There are only four or five, and I'll just take the three closest. Romans 8, 28. We know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. There it is. Who love God and are called according to his purpose. So the first thing we learn about this purpose is that it sort of arches over the works of God like calling and governs them. Calling accords with that. His Calling according to purpose. So the purpose of God, whatever it is, we haven't filled it yet. Whatever it is, it is defining, governing who and how people get called. Now let's go to 2 Timothy 1.9. And if you have a Bible downtown or here, I would encourage you to go there with me. It uh, is a little harder to find 2 Timothy than Romans 8. But it might be worth your effort because there are four things to look at here in this one verse 9 of 2 Timothy 1. Here he's connecting again the purpose of God with the calling of God on his people. 2 Timothy 1.9. He saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to works. Not according to our works. But according to his own purpose. There it is. And grace, purpose and grace, which he granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. Now, that's a very rich sentence. Four things. Notice first, the purpose is from all eternity. This is not a purpose thought up as he goes along. It is an eternal purpose. As long as there has been God, there has been this purpose, and that's forever. Second, notice that the purpose is related to Christ from all eternity. Purpose and grace which was granted to us in Christ from all eternity. Christ is not an afterthought for this purpose. This purpose, eternal, was in Christ. Christ's coming was eternally planned. It isn't as though God had a purpose, oh, it got wrecked, and now we will interpose Christ and see what he can do. Christ is that in which the purpose is, and it's from eternity. Christ never had one thought, did I say Christ? God never had one thought about you out of relationship with Jesus. Third, it's linked with grace. The purpose is linked with grace. It says, according to his own purpose and grace. I take that to mean it's a gracious purpose. It's a purpose to exercise grace. And lastly, fourth observation on this text, it rules out works as the basis of his saving call. He saved us and called us with a holy calling, not His saving and calling was not according to our works, but according to his own purpose. So the purpose is this great, overarching, eternal, in Christ something. And according to that, we are called not according to our works. And notice, the contrast is not between works and faith. It's between works and divine purpose. Here's the third parallel text. We'll get all these and then we'll try to distill a definition of purpose. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. If you're, if you're looking with me, I invite you to go there. Ephesians chapter 1, the word purpose is used in verse 11. So let's look at 11 and 12 and then parallel in verse 4 and then we'll go back to nine. Romans 9. Ephesians 1:11 We have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to his purpose who works all things together after the counsel of his will and notice two things predestination not just calling accords with the purpose So we have climbed up through calling and now we've arrived up into predestination and over it is the purpose. This purpose, whatever it is, is so magnificent and so all encompassing and so all governing that it governs predestination and it governs calling and I'm going to argue it governs everything. Second observation. This purpose is a free and sovereign purpose. I base that on the words Who works all things after the counsel of His will? Who works all things? Who works all things? Nothing happens apart from this. He works all things. How? He consults one reality for how. Answer is will. He works all things according to counsel. Ah, our counsel, our will. No. Angels? No. He takes counsel with one being when he decides what to do in all things. Answer, himself. And so he is free and he is sovereign. Now look at verse 12, and we come very close to a definition of the purpose here. Because it continues, the purpose is mentioned in verse 11, the word purpose is mentioned Predestination accords with it. It's of him who works all things. And now it points to what it's all about. To the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. There's the goal and the purpose. Predestination according to his purpose. The one who works all things together according to no one's counsel but his own. Why? To the end that we might be to the praise of his glory. So, preliminary definition of the purpose? God's commitment to do what he does to bring about those who praise his glory. But let's look at verses 4 through 6 of this chapter before we go back to Romans 9. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Now, there's a purpose statement for election, but that's not the ultimate one. We're rising. Let's rise with him and see where he ends his ascent. He predestined us, verse 5, He predestined us in love to adoption. There's another purpose. That's not the highest one. As sons through Jesus Christ to Himself according to the kind intention of His will. I think that's a virtual synonym of according to His purpose, the kind intention of His will. And here in verse 6 is a restatement of the purpose. To the praise of the glory Of his grace. All election. All predestination. All calling. All justification. All sanctification. All redemption. All glorification. Has this as its purpose. To the praise. Of the glory. Of his grace. Now let's go back. To chapter 9, verse 11. Here it says that the reason before they were born or had done anything good or evil, he set his favor upon Jacob and not Esau, was so that his purpose, according to election, would stand. How then shall we define this purpose? This is the weight that I wish rested upon the church in America. Here's my attempt to say in human words the divine purpose referred to in 9-11. The purpose is that God be known, enjoyed, and praised as infinitely glorious in His free and sovereign grace. I'll say it again. And if you like alliteration, I'll say it that way. God's purpose is that He be seen and savored and sung as... Infinitely glorious in his free and sovereign grace. Infinitely glorious because he is perfectly beautiful and immeasurably great. Free because he is the one being in all the universe. Who has ultimate self determination and is not bound by what anybody else does? Sovereign because there is nothing that can thwart what he wants most to do. So, God's purpose is to be known and enjoyed and praised as infinitely glorious in his free and sovereign grace. And notice, he says, it is a purpose that accords with election. It is an electing purpose, which means... If God did not elect unconditionally as he describes here in these verses, he would not be free, he would not be sovereign, and he would not be glorious. Not free, because then men in their own self-determining power would determine their own election and God would be bound by their choice. Not sovereign, because... He would be frustrated and thwarted over and over by those self-determining creatures. And not glorious because his absolute freedom and sovereignty is the very essence of his divine glory and grace. I'll say that again. His freedom and his sovereignty is at the heart or essence of... Of his glorious grace. We're going to see this over and over in these chapters. To be a gracious God in Paul's mind was to be free and sovereign. Now, what can Paul add to that? He adds a negation and an affirmation in verse 11. And these are points two and three. In the outline, the negation, not because of works, the affirmation, but because of him who calls. Let's take those one at a time. So point two in the outline, not because of works. Before they were born, before they had done anything good or evil, he said the elder will serve the younger so that... God's electing purpose will stand... And then he adds, And why? Not because of works. I mean, hasn't that already been ruled out? Before they were born, before they had done anything good or evil, why do you need to add that? There's a reason. Because without that little phrase... Not from works. All you would have in the statements before they were born and before they had done anything good or evil was a wide open door that it could be based on later good or evil that they would perform and God would foresee. And this rules that out. The point here is not any time factor. It doesn't matter when the works happen, before, during, after, future, past, now. It makes no difference. What this says is the purpose according to election stands with no reference to works. And so all thought of foreknown deeds grounding our election is removed. Point number three in the outline. The affirmation. So that God's purpose according to election would stand, not because of works, here it is, but because of him who calls. That's a very striking phrase. Because if I were to give a quiz in this room before we read that. And had you complete the sentence, you probably would not have completed it that way. Let's do a little test here so you'll be bold now. Suppose you weren't reading this. You were just familiar with what Paul wrote in Romans and Galatians and elsewhere. And I was reading along and I said, He did it this way. He performed unconditional election in order that his purpose might stand not according to works, but finish it wrongly. Come on. According to faith, that's right-wrong. That's a right answer to the request that you be wrong. Now, why doesn't Paul say what we expect him to say? Because he says it all over the place. Chapter 3, verse 28. Justified by faith, not according to works. Chapter 9, verse 32, they pursued it by works, not by faith. Galatians 2.16, we are justified by faith, not by works. Everywhere Paul talks about justification, it is not works, but faith. And so when he gets here, it is not works, but God. Why? There's a very simple An absolutely profound answer. Justification is by faith. Election is not. That's why. Justification is conditional. Election is not conditional on anything outside of God's counsel. In order to be justified, in order to be justified, we must believe that Jesus is the Christ. But in order to believe that Jesus is the Christ, we must be chosen and called. God doesn't choose us because we will believe. God chooses us in order that we might believe. And therefore... What is being ruled out in these two clauses, the negation and the affirmation, which we didn't even think were necessary because he already said he chose them before they were born or had done anything good or evil. What he adds is the time is not the issue here in faith and works. The issue is ground, foundation. And what he's ruling out is works are not the ground, Past, present, future. And faith is not the ground, past, present, or future. That's the point. What is the ground? Answer Him who calls. And now look very carefully. It does not say but By his call. It doesn't say his purpose will stand not according to works, but according to his call. It doesn't say that. It says his purpose will stand not according to works, but because of him who calls. Why? Because it's not based on our call. God will call to Himself irresistibly, mightily, triumphantly over all our rebellion, His own elect. But that call, that sovereign working in my heart by which all my rebellion is defeated and I am drawn freely to love the Savior, is not the ground of my election. My election is the ground of my calling. Those whom he foreknew, he predestined, and those whom he predestined, he called. How shall we summarize or paraphrase this verse? God's electing purpose will stand... Not because of any foreseen deeds and not because of any foreseen faith, but simply because of Him who will one day call them according to His purpose. Oh, how much more there is to see. These texts are bottomless. But we close. I said I was going to apply it. The application I have in mind is crystal clear. There's no doubt about what the application is to your life here. If we're on the right track. If the purpose of God is to be known and enjoyed and praised as infinitely glorious in His free and sovereign grace... Your purpose is clear on planet earth. You exist to know, to enjoy, to praise His infinitely beautiful glory, seen especially in the freedom and the sovereignty of His Grace, You exist to know, so Bethlehem, let us use our brains to know Him. He gave you a mind for Him. Not mainly for computers, or business success, or mathematical prowess, but mainly for Him to know Him. The great purpose of the human brain is to know God. And enjoy. Why do you have emotions? They are given to you to be fully engaged for God. And all other good things in the world that, that get your emotions are to be springboards for Him, not idols. And praise, O oh, Bethlehem, open your mouth and write yourself a new song. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord and bless His name. Tell of His salvation from day to day. And we should add another S. See, savor, sing, and spread. It's really implied in the first three. But let's not leave it Quiet. If you know him, if you've enjoyed him, and if you are praising him, you must display him and speak well of him. And underneath this purpose for your life is a massive assurance. That you will not fail. Because it says, God is saving and electing this way and not any other way in order that His electing purpose might stand. That's the point of the text. The whole text could be summed up under this. God undertakes to elect in such a way so that His purpose to be known, to be enjoyed, and to be praised would stand. And therefore, if in Christ this morning you unite to Him in that purpose, you cannot fail. Your life will go down in His book as an absolutely successful life if nobody on planet earth knows you exist. Father, please, I beg of you, leave us not at the level of knowing or even worse, hearing, but move us to the level of enjoying and praising and spreading, I pray. O Christ, come and do your calling work according to your great purpose. As we close, sing now to God for sovereign grace. Rejoice that we may see his face. Come, savor now his firm embrace. This is our everlasting place.